there. I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, host of the Live Healthy podcast and editor of Live Healthy. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Julio Gomez, a consultant pulmonologist and sleep respiratory medicine specialist at Fakeh University Hospital in Dubai. Every day Dr. Gomez sees patients who have no idea they are having periods where they stop breathing or struggle to breathe every night when they are sleeping. This is creating a cascade of health problems, and we speak about how to recognize the signs and what can be done if it turns out sleep apnea is the culprit. Hi, Doctor. It's Julio Gomez. It's so great to see you today. Thank you very much. Good to have you. We're here to talk all about sleep and sleep apnea. I'm really interested in this topic. So maybe we should just start out by saying, from what you see in your practice, how big of a problem is sleep apnea for us? Well, yeah, you've got to say that this is a kind of very relevant topic, a relevant condition that is very kind of very frequent disease that we see even in, in our daily practice. So kind of frequently we have in a normal day two or three patients with symptoms of sleep apnea. Um, but uh, on top of that, there is many other patients that they may have symptoms, but unless they are not inquiring about that, then they can be missed. So there's a, a huge underdiagnosed uh, population with the sleep apnea. That they don't realize, they don't realize that this is because mainly are people that are used to their symptoms. So they see that as a normal uh, situation of circumstance, and they don't think that it's a disease behind that. Okay. We're very good as humans to sort of getting on with it, right? And just living with whatever we, you know, maybe we don't feel great, but. Yeah, especially when this kind of condition that happened very slowly, and then sometimes we don't realize, and especially as happened during the night, unless people don't, people perhaps they don't have a partner that witness the problem, and they don't realize that they snore very badly, they stop the breathing during the night, so the daily fatigue that they feel, they feel that it's something normal because it has happened very gradually, and they don't realize that it's something abnormal for them. Okay. So you mentioned fatigue, which could be, you know, attached to a lot of things. What are some other signs that may, that sleep apnea might be a problem? So basically, uh, what, what uh, usually causes is, uh, is a person who snores, uh, which unfortunately not many people know that unless they sleep with someone and they, they, this can be erased, uh, uh, the, the problem. Also during the night, they keep uh, uh, changing the, the speed of the breathing or the pattern of the breathing tendency to stop the breathing. And then after that, they resume the breathing kind of more stronger. But they, at the end of the day, what happened the following day, the patient feel tired because doesn't rest properly. So as a, as a person that is tired, sleepy, they can dose uh, uh, in some places, even, even uh, bizarre places, driving as well. So uh, also they may have issues with the concentration, especially kids, when they have sleep apnea, they can fail exam, they can, the performance could be less. Also, uh, people may have also less performance at work as well, even in the, with the family, because they only want to sleep, they don't want to think of other things. Mm -hmm. Also can affect the mood, they can feel more uh, uh, depressed, even down more, more uh, uh, hung, angry as well. 
less tolerant to some circumstances or stress. Um, uh, so basically, are those the main conditions that patient can feel? On top of that, there is other symptoms that patient can feel. Is uh, uh, feeling the choking sensation at night. Some patients can feel it. Sleeping suddenly, they wake up very short with the feeling they don't breathe well, and then they sleep again. Or they wake up with the with the feeling of unrested, mm -hmm. or headaches as well, or waking up at the middle of the night to go to the to the toilet just to pass urine because they have a more more tendency to urinate because of this condition as well. Uh, so basically, these are the main symptoms. Wise, yes. Okay. Now I think sleep apnea is in the past or maybe still associated with people who are overweight. Is that association correct? Is do you see that? Yeah, indeed, that is that is one of the main factors because we have to understand that the sleep apnea happens because of the, the muscles of the back of our throat, which is the area that goes from the palate down to the vocal cords. This area it has to be open. So when we are sleeping, all other muscles become very flaccid. So the same happens to that area. So if it's a very open area, not compromised, then it should not be a major issue. But when the, the obesity causes a, a increase or, or that area, and that area is more uh, hypertrophic, we say, then that area, that space is compromised. So when it's more flaccid, it starts to vibrate and then happens more often. And so this is why people with obesity, especially the one that has short neck, a, a huge um, large neck as well. So these are more prone to have that uh, circumstances. But um, indeed, it's not only related to obesity. We can have also fit people that they may have also this condition because this is an anatomical issue that happened in the back there. So people that have, they have uh, big tonsils, which are the glands that we have in the back of our, our throat that happen mainly in kids or maybe everybody or people with a, or a person with a, a huge tongue, if the tongue is very, very huge, then of course can block the back of the throat, or people with some deformities in the mandibular bone, that, that cannot be easily detected, but they have very short mandibular, all becomes backwards, and also compromise the back end of the, of the throat. So definitely we can, we can spot people with symptoms, even if they are not obese. Okay. And I read a study that said women who are older, who are having hormonal shifts due to menopause, they can be, um, they can develop sleep apnea. Have you heard that? Or do you see that in your clinic? Yes, it is not a condition only for men. Also, women may suffer that because overweight or the same condition, exactly the same. Actually, the, the prevalence is slightly lower in women, but it's somehow also high. But with the, with the menopause and also elder uh, ages, um, all the tissue becomes more flaccid, okay? Also, all the skin goes down, all the, the same happening in the back end. And also, the changes in the hormones as well will make the tissue also more redundant. So, it's more prone to have this, these issues. Also, during the menopause, also, there is uh, usually is linked to some gain of weight as well. So, somehow, all is interlinked, so, somehow. And it seems like so many people are grinding their teeth when they sleep. Is there any connection between teeth grinding and sleep apnea? Yeah, it's one of the things that uh, uh, the dental dental doctors should uh, look, uh, uh, check as well. Because when, when you are sleeping, you are having sometimes uh, uh, causes stress, the, the sleep apnea, when the, the patient is not breathing. Or a part of uh, dropping the oxygen and creating a generating a, a consequences that the brain uh, uh, detects and makes uh, uh, away the patient, etc. That moment the patient tries to 
is uh, breathe while the airways is closed is a very stressful moment and then it generates a lot of uh, chemicals and, and uh, different things that will generate stress so stress can go to uh, ground the teeth or can have also a, a cardiovascular implications which are really important and one of the main things that we should uh, raise to the patient with suspected sleep apnea yes okay so it can be linked it can be linked like the stress yeah. Definitely. Yes. So if you suspect that you might have sleep apnea or you're having some of these symptoms, what do you advise people to do? So definitely seek medical advice. Um, so uh, and there, is, there is some questionnaire that can uh, help us to find out about symptoms. But uh, these questionnaires have some limitations, as we discussed earlier, because some uh, are based in the fatigue or the tiredness or the sleepiness the patient can face during the day. And uh, this, condi this condition used to happen very gradual and on years, that some people don't realize they are so tired mm -hmm. until they are treated and they see the difference. So basically, uh, whenever we have any patient that is overweight uh, or patients with a short neck or patient that snores uh, or is witness that they stop the breathing or they complain of these symptoms plus headache as well, or even they have cardiovascular issues uh, such hypertension, hypertension that is not well controlled and it's not clear why, uh, or they have even ischemic heart disease and early ages that is not expected to happen and they snore. So this uh, patient has to seek medical advice and to meet up uh, their pulmonologist uh, doctor just to raise that to go through some uh, assessment and then assess is really required to go for a sleep test just to assess that properly. Do you always have to have a sleep test in a clinic or can you can you do the, this at home here in the UAE? Usually, usually there is two ways to, to check, but the gold standard that all the guidelines and all the, the uh, sleep societies advise is to go for the polysomnography test, which is the sleep test performed in a, a, a medical facility. It could be a clinical facility a clinic, or, or could be a hospital. It's a specific room designated for that where the patient is going to sleep and will be attached to wires that you check how the brain is performing, the breathing is doing, the snoring, the movement of the body, the breathing, oxygen level, etc. All this and is monitored with a technology that is uh, supervising all the study. A camera records all and can analyze all and also allow us to use the, the treatment, which is we can discuss later, the CPAP machine to see if that can help and it sorts out the problem. That is what we call gold standard. And it's the gold standard because it's the most accurate test to provide a proper diagnosis or to assess this condition. There is an alternative way that is the sleep test done at home. It's called home sleep apnea test. This is done with a similar machine. It's a polygraph, but usually it's less accurate. It's more simple, it's not that accurate, and definitely can, can be of use in very selected cases but we have to take into consideration that these uh, devices and also at home, uh, which is not uh, attended by a, a technologist, uh, may underestimate the, the sleep apnea. So uh, based that, uh, having consideration that the, some sleep apnea don't require treatment, especially if they are very mild, in that cases, uh, or, or if they have hypertension or any cardiovascular problem and they have mild sleep apnea, this is worth to treat. As we know, these tests at home can underestimate if the value is normal, we cannot rely on that. Or if it's mild and then we don't know if it's really required treatment, 
can be underestimated. So I have had some cases that we did both just to compare. And to give you an idea, one at home, the test was showing, uh, I will tell you one number, which is was 35 in, uh, events per hour, which is a severe sleep apnea. When we repeated uh, the test in the hospital attended, the index was not 35, but up to 120. So it was four times higher. So that is, a, in that case, it was not really relevant because it was to be treated anyways. But in case it were normal in this gentleman, he deserved to repeat the other people who cannot rely on that. This is why sometimes, especially when it's not covered by insurances in that scenario, if the patient has to afford two expenses, two tests, then sometimes it's kind of a lot of burden. So we advise to go ideally to the to the to the gold standard unless it's a person that we know i mean that uh, just seeing him is a super obvious first person uh, with a very short neck that snores a lot is sleeping in front of us almost dozing the right. wife is containing symptoms in that cases we know that it's going to be very severe and with the home test sometimes we can we can uh, assess enough as long they don't have any cardiovascular problem okay that advice against being at home better to go monitor okay and before we talk treatment, I just wanted to ask you, yeah, how do you access this? Is it something you ask your general practitioner for? You mentioned insurance. It's not often covered. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah. How, how to, to request for a sleep test, you mean? Yeah. How to get us, like, how does an average person get one of these tests? Yes. So basically in, in uh, here in, in Dubai or in UAE, usually uh, the system is not working. At least the, 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 the private system is not working maybe with a, a family medicine doctor-based uh, practice. So something the patient can request directly access to the pulmonology. So we can help with that. And of course, uh, we can accept any referral for any of the other doctors or family medicine, internal medicine, cardiologists, neurologists, or uh, uh, even dentists as well ophthalmologist because there are some implications as well so we receive and then we proceed with that um, actually it's a it's a condition that uh, in some insurances when they uh, when it's covered by the insurance then should not be an issue to get approved the test percent but unfortunately there are some insurances or some policies within some insurances that they don't cover anything related to sleep disorders or don't cover anything related to obesity, or don't cover anything related to psychiatry, or, or for instance, dental, or then that is the scenario. Unfortunately, it's not that it's not, not approved, it's that it's not covered. Yeah. So this is when, when the patient has to liaise with their insurance for that. Okay, what would a sleep test cost, you know, like to come into the clinic? Yeah, so um, all um, doing in a cash basis is not is not a, a, a cheap procedure. Unfortunately, in, in all in UAE, unfortunately, the medicine is expensive, as happened in US as well. Um, so I'm giving you the rough price. Yeah, rough price. Okay, uh, more or less could be around somewhere around eight thousand. Get it done. When requires to do more complex because we need to use CPAP and do what is called titration of the treatment to see the treatment works, etc. Something is more complex, so usually can go up to ten thousand something like that plus the night of admission. We know that we are sensitive with that matter because uh, to us it's very sad that some insurances don't cover that, and it's, it's unfair or, or something is not considered kind of a disease, which really it is even more serious than diabetes or, or hypertension because it will generate a lot of consequences in, in a mid-long term. 
So then uh, we discussed here in our center and we, we made a, a package for such cases that are rejected or not covered by insurances, just to bring it down uh, around 4,000, uh, something like that, which is more affordable, is something more uh, understandable. And then, uh, and also we'll make their all inclusive the admission, so we'll be all there. So uh, I think it's a, it's a sensitive matter because it's a pity. I mean, why I mean, a person that is having very poor quality of life, they may have a car accident as well. So they can, unfortunately, they can, uh, kill themselves, their family or other people as well. So definitely this has to be addressed. And, and uh, sorry, it's not, it's, it's a pity, but unfortunately some people cannot afford that. And we are sensitive with that. We try to bring it down and we'll try to work with that as much as possible. Yes, indeed. Okay. So the short-term risk is that you might just be drowsy and get into an accident or cause some damage. But the long-term, can you just explain the connections? Like, you know, pulmonology, cardiology, what are... How does this these micro episodes of not breathing in the night lead into disease? What is this step like one, two, three, four? Yes. So basically, uh, what happens at night when the patient stops the breathing or the breathing is reduced, then it's called apnea when not breathe or hypopnea when it doesn't. The oxygen keeps dropping. Okay. So the brain uh, has uh, detects that and then awakes the patient and then a uh, patient opens the, the tubes as well. The tone is recovered and then uh, uh, breathe again, fall asleep and keep happening all the night long. So in short term, is the, the brain doesn't reach the deep sleep that will rest, so we'll feel tired the following day. But not only that, that of course, there are car accidents or you are working as a, a, a airplane pilot, a pilot or you work, I don't know, in a scaffolding and then you fall asleep, you can uh, fall down, you know, or you can make a promise if you are a very sensitive uh, person that uh, needs to calculate things or, or you know, uh, or a doctor has to operate on you mm. and you prefer for them to be rested, right? But in, in long term, uh, this episode when the, 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 the the airway is closed, generates a lot of chemicals or catecholamines, we call them. It's, it's some chemical that the body reacts to the stress that is happening, they're trying to, to breathe. And then this keeps a, a, a picking this up and down, up and down, and this makes also the heart pumping faster, slower, some arrhythmias, the blood pressure goes up and down. So this keeping keeps ups and down in the cardiovascular system, creating a stress to that cardiovascular system. So in a chronic way, after many months or years, they start damaging the, the, the arteries and veins so can have more episodes of a stroke or even a dementia, memory impairment, uh, arrhythmias of the heart, uh, uh, ischemic heart disease, hypertension, you know, uh, even even a vascular disease, you can have uh, ischemia of your legs. So all these can affect. So this is why it's so important to know. But on top of that, there is other other things that are the micro uh, arteries and, and vascular things that can affect our our eyelids. So we can have a, a eyelid a, a syndrome that falls all the all the the the, the skin of the of the, the, uh, the eyelids, mm. or we may have also this, uh, this pro um, uh, dental problem that at some point you can also damage your teeth as well. So somehow there's a lot of implications, a lot of uh, 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 organs involved on this. This is why it's a multidisciplinary uh, thing that we have to approach. You're saying it can even affect how your face looks and your teeth. Can, yeah, can, can affect, I mean, one of the things that are, are we uh, refer patients is when they have the, the eyelids is called is called floppy floppy eyelid uh, yeah. uh, syndrome, yeah. but the the the, the, the eyelids just becomes a, a very very 
uh, weak and then becomes a uh, turn like this. So this is a thing that can be linked to some mm -hmm. apnea as well. So this is why it's important to detect and if it's there to treat accordingly. And then if you're, you're generally not sleeping well because of this, obviously, it, are there impacts on your blood sugar and the connections to diabetes? Are there connections there? Not not really that link, but somehow it's linked that the people with sleep apnea, the majority of them are obese people. Obese people uh, may have more uh, prone to have uh, insulin resistances as well, yeah. uh, or they may have this uh, uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome as well, that they may have more more obesity as well. So sleep apnea is there along with, with the insulin resistances as well. So somehow we cannot say that this is the cause for diabetes, but it's very common to have both conditions as well because of the, the, the weight and the, the obesity as well. And you mentioned dementia, like the dementia cases are set to explode in the Middle East and partly because the population is aging um, and it's a young population, but you mentioned the connection there. Is it blood flow? Is it just a lack of blood flow to the brain ultimately or, or how does that work? Yes. That is one of the reasons uh, when it's recurrently happening, you have, I mean, uh, if we check the oxygen level during the night for a severe case of sleep apnea, sometimes they spend more than 40% uh, of the night with the oxygen levels below the, the normal. So this is, of course, the brain feels that. Mm -hmm. And this happened one night, another, one week, one month, one year and more. But also on top of that, we, uh, the sleep apnea affects the, the vascular system also of the brain and we can have vascular dementia as well. Uh, of course, it's not the only reason of dementia. There's many more, and it's not the only, but when we see other neurologists see that dementia in a case with no any evidence why is that in an early stage or early age as well, one of the things that has to be ruled out is sleep apnea, not to be that the patient is suffering that. Okay, I'm just curious. Now, everyone's got these aura rings and they're tracking their sleep. Are there indications on there? Like, would it show up on those apps if you had apnea? Uh, the apps can, can help a bit just to uh, detect some of the symptoms. There are some of them that can record your snoring during the night. Also, then you can see if you don't have any witness that can, or perhaps let's say if you are a man that your wife sleep very soundly and doesn't wake up with your snoring, then perhaps nobody knows that you snore. But these apps can, can help you to screen that. The, uh, or these uh, smartwatch that can tell you about the, the stages or, or the, the, the quality of your sleep as well, they are not that accurate. Uh, we cannot base any diagnosis on that. We have also to be careful not to patients uh, to misinterpret that or to to be confused with that things. But of course, if there's an inquiry, definitely we have to assess. We can assess, and definitely the code standard will uh, uh, find out if a sleep apnea is there, what is the quality of the sleep, etc. Okay, and then let's talk about treatment. So, say you come, you do the test, you find out that you do have sleep apnea. What what options are available to you? Well, there, there are some of them that has to be always uh, seen in a multidisciplinary way uh, because it involves sometimes other specialties. But basically, the most important things are um, uh, to try to prevent the collapse of the airway. That, that can be obtained with a machine that is called CPAP machine or PAP machine, which is a, a continuous pressure administered uh, with air inside the airways with a mask that covers the nose or the nose or the mouth, then creates a pressure that prevents the, that part to collapse. 
So this uh, machine used during the night prevent that to happen. Nowadays, also, they are a very clever machine, uh, automatic machine that will provide the pressure that your, your uh, airway needs for its breath. And then we keep your, your uh, area open. And then this will prevent for that to happen. But uh, also, there is other things that need to be done. Uh, for instance, uh, uh, sleeping pills, for instance, or drinking alcohol in the evening, or uh, that can make also our muscles more flaccid. Hence, the sleep apnea could be uh, more severe. Of course, the, the overweight. Uh, some people ask, do I have to use the CPAP forever? Uh, and we have to answer, as long as the sleep apnea is there, yes. Uh, so if the sleep apnea is linked exclusively to obesity and the person is able to reduce the weight uh, and to go to the normal ideal weight, then we can reassess and if the sleep apnea is gone, we can stop the, the CPAP machine. So weight uh, management is very important. So we need to uh, uh, involve endocrinologists and, and, and nutritionists for that. Even sometimes bariatric surgeons as well, just to get uh, in this issue. Uh, and some cases as well, we need to see if the sleep apnea is mild with no other problems, sometimes by checking what the body position affects in the sleep apnea, we can force the patient to sleep in a, in a special position that we see in the sleep study that they, uh, uh, the events are much less or within normal. So for usually sleeping facing up makes the sleep apnea more severe because of the gravity, the top goes backwards. And then by forcing them to sleep laterally, there's not in this leg. At some point, we can even control my sleep apnea with that when the other uh, measures are not possible to, to apply and tolerate the CPAP or something. So sleeping and on your side. Last, Sorry, sleeping on your side. Yeah, sleeping on your, yes, sleeping on your side. But some people also, they snore and they have events also even when they are sleeping on this. So the sleep apnea helps us to find out who is the good candidate for that. And finally, we leave it for the last uh, option, but always is a possibility. When there is no uh, improvement with any of the, the other treatments, the CPAP machine, uh, the patient is not enough or not able to tolerate it because some things they cannot tolerate uh, or not compliance and they refuse to comply with that. We have to uh, think about possibility of surgeries as well, especially when there is a very clear that a, a problem that perhaps by removing that or correcting that, may correct the complete sleep apnea such huge massive tonsils in a patient with no other risk factors or people that they have hypoplastic uh, um, maxillar bone or mandibula which means the bones are not well formed and then are very tiny and small and then pushes all the soft tissue backwards so by correcting that with some surgeries can open open the space and then correct that or sometimes try some, some uh, uh, amputation of the, the uvula or the palate and to the soft tissue of this to make it broader to see. But this has to be really discussed in a multidisciplinary way where the, the, the pulmonologist, of course, has to be involved uh, centralizing, but also we need a dental team, maxillofacial surgeon as well, ENT doctors as well, with experience in these conditions, just to discuss what are the expectations and also to tell the patient clearly what are the expectations, not to be that perhaps will not correct completely and still after the surgery, they need to continue using a CPAP machine. Okay, that is important to raise and to discuss. Okay, so at what are you able to assess how much the portion of the population might have some form of sleep apnea? Yeah, it is, it is considered that overall, uh, it's around, I would say around 22% of the population, they suffer of sleep apnea, especially men, it's around that number, that figures. Women is considered around 17, 18%, but this number, this figures uh, uh, increase significantly with the obesity. 
Mm. So a person that uh, has a, a, a morbid obesity, that the body mass index is more than 30, is considered that this number can go up to 60 to 70%, so which is massive. Mm. So if we check how many patients we receive or how many patients are referred, then we really can say uh, that really sleep apnea is super underdiagnosed because we don't receive that volume. If uh, we were receiving all such patients, we'll be blocked. We will do probably nothing else than uh, uh, assessing sleep apnea. This is why it's so important, I think, uh, also the, the uh, insurance companies as well, uh, patients as well, uh, medical societies, doctors, everybody to understand this condition that is a very serious condition that has implications and also has an easy, let's say, treatment uh, so it's not a minor disease. It seems that uh, uh, people understand that it's okay. It's not for I is not okay. There's my wife that cannot sleep well. We have a separate room. Enough. No, it's not at the point. It's uh, perhaps it's more important, right? So uh, yeah, you you need. I mean, your your health uh, really uh, uh, is worth to to assess that. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I feel like I'm a sleep apnea expert now. I think this seems like a very very <laughs> this. I'm going to come and do your <laughs> Yeah, I'll be your assistant. <laughs> this feels like an important thing to, to look into, though. This feels like this is something that you can do now to really reduce your risk of disease and have a better life in the short term. Like, it's a long-term, short-term. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Actually, this is very good that you brought that up. Some patients describe the difference when they really are treated and they really realize what is the difference. It's like living the, the life in full color that they're leaving it in black and, uh, and white. So especially when they are so symptomatic, they say, I mean, when you go, I went one day to one of my friends that uh, we treat him with the sleep apnea and the first thing he told me, will you have to tell you, uh, thank you very much because you changed my life. When someone tells you that, says, okay, I mean, uh, you were not dying, it's not a surgery that uh, open heart or whatever, but now the quality of life that this person, that is perhaps a manager of a company, whatever, then you know how changed now he's, how strong he is now managing his business, doing these things, uh, uh, living his life, enjoying life, enjoying partner, uh, you know, all this. So yeah, really, uh, it's important to, to understand that and to, to make our uh, community to understand that society. Okay, changing lives. So at Fikir University Hospital, you have um, packages where people can come and people can come and do the testing and you try to keep it as reasonable as possible for them to do it if their insurance doesn't cover it. Okay. Thank you so much, Dr. Julio. It's great to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Anne. Have a lovely day. And if please, you have any further questions, do let me know. Okay, great. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the Live Healthy Podcast.